We meet today in Psalm chapter 37 to Psalm chapter 39. Psalm 37 is a promise of future blessing. It is an acrostic poem. Every second verse of this psalm begins with a successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The apparent prosperity of the wicked is the subject of this psalm. It is also dealt with in Psalm chapter 37. That's what we see in Psalm chapter 73. That's what we are seeing in 37. Psalm 37 verse 1 and verse 2. Do not fret because of evil doers. Nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Now my friend, the prosperity of evil doers troubled David a great deal. It is a subject that he later dealt with in Psalm 73 and one that is presented elsewhere in the Old Testament. Why do the godless people seem to prosper? In the Old Testament, God promised believers earthly and material prosperity. He has not promised that to believers today. Believers today, they have hope in heaven, not on earth. But the hope of Israel was an earthly hope. The men of that day looked about and saw the ungodly prospering. He could see the fields of the ungodly being watered by rain and flourishing while down the road. A poor righteous man was having a hard time. It was difficult to understand the reason for this. David came to the conclusion, as Asaph did in Psalm 73, that someday the wicked would be cut down like the grass. Just give God time. He will deal with the wicked. It is the end of the ungodly that we need to consider. If it disturbs you when you look around today and see the wicked prospering, there are several things you can do to solve your problems. The first is trust in the Lord. Psalm 37 verse 3 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. This was a promise to God's earthly people. He told them, Don't worry about the wicked. You trust me and I'll take care of you. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 37 verse 4. This was a promise for Israel, but it also applies to us today. I'm not sure that he is going to bless your business, but he has already blessed you with spiritual blessings and he will shower on you all the spiritual blessings you can contain. Then notice What we are to do, we are to delight ourselves in the Lord. Now there is something else that we can do, my friend. Psalm 37 verse 5, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. Many Christians criticize and find fault with God. They have not committed their ways to the Lord. Here the thing to do is to commit your ways to the Lord. Then it says, trust in him and he shall bring it to pass. Give God time. He will work things out in your life. That is the good news. God is good, my friend. He loves you. He wants to save you. 
but you have to commit your way to him. Psalm 37 verse 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his ways, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Now here is another thing to do, is to rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Oh, how wonderful it is when the wicked people prosper. Don't fret. When the ungodly bring their wicked devices to pass, don't let it disturb you. Don't get uptight about it. Rest in the Lord. And the word of God tells us, you will keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Psalm 37 verse 8, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. Wow. Basically, it's saying, cease from getting angry. Don't lose your temper. Keep your temper, my friend. If you do evil, don't think you can get by with it. If you are a child of God, you will find yourself in deep trouble if you try to get by with evil. So don't lose your temper. Don't become a fool together with the fools. Psalm 37 verse 9. Evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord... They shall inherit the earth. God will see to it that those who wait upon the Lord will one day inherit the earth. The wicked are going to be cut off. It is not. They will not even stand in the congregation of the righteous. Psalm 37 verse 11. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. You see, someday... The meek shall inherit the earth. The day will come when God will put his people on the earth. Heaven is for the church, my friend. But Israel will inherit the earth. To make a statement like that preacher did is to hopelessly confuse even the purpose of God. But this is exactly what God is doing. He has promised Israel the inheritance of the earth. Heaven is for the church. Let's go on. Psalm 37 verse 14 says, The wicked have drawn the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and the needy, to slay those who are of upright conduct. You see, the scriptures make it very clear that if you take the sword, that is the way you will perish. He who sheds man's blood by the hand of man shall his blood be shed as well. Psalm 37, verse 16. A little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. Wow, wow, wow. In my humble ministry and experience as a pastor, I have seen that the saints who do have so much materially are usually the people who are not happy. Yet those who have so little, who do not have so much, may be the happiest saints. You see, God seems to see that as well. Now we read that verse, it says, A little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of the many wicked. Psalm 37 verse 20. But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord like the splendor of the meadows shall vanish. 
into smoke, they shall vanish away. The wicked are going to perish. Now don't concern yourself with their prosperity. And that is God's department. He will take care of it. Psalm 37 verse 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his ways. You see, the steps of a good man which are ordered by the Lord is a good statement. That is, they are established by the Lord on a foundation that is strong, the rock. And that rock is Christ Jesus. He delights in his ways. You see, does God delight in you today? God could actually point to Job, who was not sinless by any means, but God took delight in him. It's a wonderful thing to come to a point where God can actually take delight in your life and even talk within the Godhead and talk with the heavenly horse about you because you walk uprightly. You walk with the Lord. Psalm 37 verse 29. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell in it forever. Again, this verse tells us that God is going to make good his promise to Abraham and to the children of Israel. He promised them an earthly blessing. We are blessed with all spiritual blessings. You will be confused if you believe God has promised you earthly blessings. It is true that many Christians are blessed with material things, but that is surplus. It is an added blessing. And if God has blessed you that way, you have a tremendous responsibility. But the earthly blessings were promised for the children of Israel. And God will make good that promise to Abraham. Psalm 37 verse 37 and verse 38. Mark the blameless man and observe the upright. For the future of that man is peace. But the transgressors shall be destroyed together. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. The blameless man is one who is blameless toward God in that he trusts God and rests upon his salvation, not what he does. The end of the upright man is peace. You see, what is the destiny? Peace. Almost as if to say, if you enjoy short-term pleasure, you will reap long-term pain. When you also experience and go through short-term pain, you will reap long-term pleasure. Now, the end of the upright is peace. God will see to that. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. The transgressors will be destroyed and the wicked shall be cut off. Mark that down. It is as sure as the law of gravity. It is as sure as the coming of the next morning or the setting of the sun. Psalm 38 is another wonderful psalm. It is a penitential psalm involving physical disease. The psalm is entitled A Psalm of David to bring to remembrance. And his is also classified as a penitential psalm. It is David's confession and it concerns physical sickness. David is revealed here as very ill. 
his body is wasting away. We have no record of his having this illness, but we have seen before that he thanked God for healing. So that is the same circumstance or the same setting that he writes from. Psalm 38 verse 1. O Lord, do not rebuke me in your wrath, nor chasten me in your hot displeasure. You see, David is in deep distress. He prays that God will not judge him in anger. Psalm 38 verse 2. For your arrows pierce me deeply, and your hand presses me down. Now, this is real conviction. Psalm 38 verse 3. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your anger, nor any health in my bones because of my sin. David's physical sickness is actually seen in this point as the result of sin. Psalm 38 verse 4. For my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. Now you see here, you and I cannot carry our burdens. And we especially cannot carry the burden of sin. We must give that burden over to Christ. And David here says, it has become heavy for me. Psalm 38 verse 5 to verse 8. My wounds are fall festering because of my foolishness. I am troubled. I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all day long, for my loins are full of inflammation, and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and severely broken. I groan because of the turmoil of my heart. Well, Disease and suffering can bring actually families together, but they can also tear families apart. This is often the case for those whose problems are largely the result of their own choices, especially choices that have gone against what the family would have wanted. David saw his family torn apart by the choices that he had made, as indicated even in this psalm. Even as his body was ravaged by sickness, possibly an acute skin disease, yet, however serious his physical problems may have been, they were overshadowed by the pain of his troubled heart, in, as mentioned in verse 8 and verse 10. Worst of all, he was unable to communicate his true thoughts and feelings that is revealed in verse 13 to verse 14. I would like to ask a few questions. Have sin and its consequences created distances between the members of your family? Has someone been abandoned to suffer because of anger or disapproval by the others? Psalm 38 offers several insights for redeeming the situation. Would you take some of the insights? The first one is we see that the psalmist cries out, he is willing to confess his own sin and foolishness. Admit your sin and foolishness. That is the first step to healing. This is crucial in cases where someone's sickness or suffering is the result of sin. That sin needs to be acknowledged, confessed, and repented of. But the psalm offers hopes in the 
certainty that God sees and hears, even if family members cannot and will not. This hope in the Lord God is available not only to the sufferer, but to innocent bystanders as well, such as parents, spouses, or children. By trusting in God's goodness, they can see themselves no longer as victims, but as victors. That is a wonderful thing to do. Finally, Psalm 38 challenges all of us not to abandon anyone to silent suffering in sin and sickness. The psalm may express David's predicament there, but it also reminds us of the plight of everyone who has ever been brought law by their own foolishness. Rather than stand aloof from someone with the attitude, you made your bed, now you sleep in your bed. You created this, now these things are finding you. Sort your own self. We can draw near with understanding and compassion, with love. Psalm 38 can help us respond to the plea of a lonely sinner. That is why there is that statement, remember me, remember me. You can apply all even these situations as you read the psalm into situations of many people who are suffering today. Maybe because of sin, the whole family may be suffering and even affected with AIDS and HIV. Some have been orphaned. Someone was abused. How are we to reach those? We are to become like the good Samaritan. And the Lord Jesus said, go and do likewise. Let our hands be the hands of Christ. Let our hands be the arms of Christ and even the mirror of God's love and truth to the world around us. Psalm 39. Psalm 39 is a psalm for funerals. This remarkable psalm reveals to us the frailty, the weakness, and the littleness of humanity. It sets before us the vanity of human experience. This psalm has been used at funerals a great deal, and it can be used so properly. And truthfully, human life is, without a doubt, the most colossal failure in God's universe. Apart from a relationship with God, my friend, it is rather meaningless. Actually, the preacher in Ecclesiastes called it meaningless, 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 a chasing after the wind. All is vanity. That is what you have to say under the sun. Without the Son of God, it means nothing at all. So this psalm is a psalm of David, and it is dedicated to the chief musician, to Jeduthan. Now, who is Jeduthan? Perhaps he wrote the music for this psalm. He was one of the three musical or choir directors connected with Israel's worship. Asaph and Haman were the other two men. David, the sweet singer of Israel, had associated himself with these three men in the ministry of music. Now notice the beautiful words that are in this psalm. Psalm 39 verse 1. I said, I will guard my ways, lest I sin with my tongue. I will restrain my mouth with a muzzle while the wicked are before me. You see, this psalm concerns a subject that David would rather not talk about with the men of the world. He would not quite understand it. So, he says, 
I put a zip on my mouth. I would rather shut up. He goes on to say in Psalm 39 verse 2, I was mute with silence. I held my peace even from good. And my sorrow was stirred up. You see, David wanted to say something and finally he opened his mouth before God. Psalm 39 verse 3. My heart was hot within me while I was musing. The fire burned, then I spoke with my tongue. He speaks now, not to people, but to the Lord. Psalm 39 verse 4. Lord, make me to know my end. And what is the measure of my days, that I may know how frail I am? My friend, David recognized the frailty of men and he asks, What is the purpose of life? What is it that gives meaning to existence? Now, this is a current question being asked by young people today all over the place. Not just young people, even adults who have not sorted their relationship with God. What is a man? What is the purpose of existence? What is the meaning of life? And this was David's question. Well, Christians can live in such a way today that there is no meaning to life as well. If you are a child of God, Yet you are also a Christian parent. You are living a life that is turning your children onto Jesus. Or you are turning them off to everything that is Christian. There are many vagrants drifting over the face of the earth who have left home and gotten into a lot of trouble. Why? It is because of poor examples that are set before them. Children learn first of all by example. And then by explanation, children are very good at mimicking what they see the parents do. Many of them have come now. Those who are giving problems in the world, they have come sometimes from good homes, from all outward appearance. They were good homes. But these young people looked at the lives of their parents and they said they have no meaning. There was no good example. Oh, this psalm is relevant even to the contemporary generation. David prayed, Lord, make me know my end and the measure of my days. What is it? In other words, he is saying, give me purpose and meaning. Psalm 39, verse 5 to verse 6. Indeed, you have made my days as hand breaths, and my age is nothing before you. Certainly every man at his best state is but vapor, sailor. Surely every man walks about like shadow. Surely they busy themselves in vain. He heaps up riches and does not know who will gather them. Well, that is a very pessimistic view of life when you think about it. You see, let me challenge a few people. Some people like to live life in the fast lane, if you like. They talk fast, they get rich quick, they live high and expect to climb far. However, they may be saddened to find that life is but a vapor, momentary and fleeting. 
verse 5 of Psalm 39 tells us that, and even verse 11. Now, this transient nature of life puts a different perspective on the pell-mill rush to have it all. They busy themselves in vain, the psalmist warns. Having heaped up riches, they must leave them behind when they die. Psalm 39 is not a criticism of achievement or hard work, but it does urge us to slow down and consider the end of life. This is why there is that word, Sila. Stop, look, think, observe, move on. So we must slow down and consider the end of life. Perhaps we need to stop and be quiet for a while. Perhaps we need to reflect on sins that have estranged us from God and confess them to him, knowing that he is our only source of forgiveness, hope, and strength. We are to be sojourners on this planet Earth. If we are moving through life too quickly, we do well to slow down and take time for God. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please write to the Living Word for Africa, P.O. Box 4232, Kempton Park 1620, South Africa. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. Let me give you that address again. It's the Living Word for Africa, P.O. Box 4232, Kempton Park, 1620, South Africa.